Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line! If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. It's third down, Bryce Young's career. You need 10, play clock at four. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard, along with Jonathan Williams, uh, action-packed episode for you guys this week to make up for the fact that we took a week off last week. Uh, Jonathan was on spring break. He was traveling, having a good time. Can't blame the guy. Uh, So we're happy to be back in the studio talking and like I said, it's got an action-packed one for you today. Obviously, we got to talk some spring ball. That started back up yesterday. Uh, Georgia's Pro Day was today, so there's some stuff that came out from that. And then we're going to continue doing our uh, position breakdown that we've been doing all off-season, and we will be bringing offensive lines. So stick, stay tuned for that towards later part of the episode, and we will get deep into the weeds of that with you guys. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump straight into it. Jonathan, spring ball started up. Where are you at? How are you feeling? Spring ball is the indicator that the college football season is not as far off as you think it is. You know, when the season ends in January, or at least it has for the past two seasons for Georgia, it's like, gosh, it's January and we don't get any more of this really until September. And it seems so far away. But, you know, now we're three months past January and spring ball's ramping up. Position battles are happening. All of that's being discussed. Kirby Smart is meeting with the media and it's like, okay, we're going to wait for the next month or so for G-Day, and then after G-Day, we have the summertime, and then once those two months of summer up in June and July, it's time for college football season again. You and I will be sitting here in a few months before we know it talking about doing our breakdown of the SEC, talking about what this team is going to do, what the schedule looks like, what is, has, what's Georgia's record going to look like. Is Carson Beck going to be leading this offense? Is someone else going to? What is your one? All of those things are going to be happening here shortly, and so that's what spring ball means to me is – College football is already back. It is already getting ramped up, and it gives us plenty of talking points to discuss because we're going to be getting information about what is going on at practice. We'll get some little nugs from Kirby Smart in his press conference as far as injuries goes and how people are developing and then whatever else info that we get via Brooks Austin on his Patreon account. If you are not over there, then you should be. So it's a lot of good stuff coming out right now. There's a lot of good information, and I'm excited to bring it to the people. I'm excited to really dive in to some football, and then once G-Day happens, I'm excited to actually watch some football and get our first look at this 2023 UGA team. So for me, I'm just pumped up about it, man. I'm pumped up about college football, for a moment at least, returning and being in our presence. 
Yeah, this is one of the, the my favorite times of the off season for obvious reasons. It doesn't really feel like an off season uh, because you've got practice going on. So we, you got all kinds of information coming out about your guys. Um, you got the NFL draft coming up, so you get all these guys preparing it for it, like you get with the pro day. So this time of year is extremely fun um, just to sit back and watch. We were actually talking to Dan, who we do the four wide podcast with on Sundays, and. Um, the off season can be so much fun. Like even like the, we were talking about the NFL side, we're watching all the different moves be made and seeing all the, all the players getting picked up by the Falcons right now, all like the other teams um, trying to strategize and build their roster for next season because free agency is up and they're preparing for the draft and everything like that. Same thing goes right now for me with Georgia football, because when you look at it like this, it's, it's so much fun because you get to see who's next. You, you get to see who starts to emerge as the leader at that position so long we've been talking about, you know, who's going to be the next quarterback for Georgia. You kind of talked about this a second ago. Is it going to be Carson Beck? Well, now we get to find out. Like, it, we we will know what's going on by the time spring practice is over in G-Day. We will have a pretty good indication of whether or not Carson Beck has been able to hold on to that spot or if he is potentially being chased down by Brock Vandegrift. And that's the part that makes it so much fun for me is, is we're literally waiting every day going, what's going to come out today? What's Kirby going to say, uh, like you said, in a press conference? Or, or are we going to hear, you know, is everybody healthy? Uh, what young name is stepping up and that we're going to start, you know, become a household name this year because somebody does it every year. Every every single year you see so many Georgia players going off to the draft. And then this is the time that the players that were next in line get to prove that they deserve the leading share of those uh, reps on, on Saturdays come fall. And um, this is so much fun right now. It almost feels like, you know, maybe the season's not over because like the season – it's March. It's March 15th. The season was over two months ago, but ever since then, there's still been a good bit of stuff going on in, you know, recruiting and, and all that kind of stuff. But now it really ramps back up and it just feels like you're in the middle of a football season still until you get to like June, June. It just like absolutely dies late, late June. And then July becomes like, there's like a dead period early July. Right. Is that what mm-hmm. it is? Yeah. And like at that point you just like, it feels that's when you're like itching. Like, can college football mm-hmm. please come back? Can it please you're marking, come back? You're like, marking down stops. the tally on your wall. Yes. 180 days left. Yes. 170. And you're just marking them down because you're really itching at that point for sure. You are for sure. and But that's what makes this part so much fun is because it is the offseason. We don't have games right now. But it's still just as exciting um, as some parts of the season because – if, if you're you know a diehard Georgia fan, you get to see what your team's going to look like next year. You get a good indication of it. And there's a lot of position battles to be played out, um, which we'll get to as far as like offensive line goes later. There's, there's a lot of question uh, of who's going to be that fifth guy or fourth guy on that, uh, that line. And so like it, you get to see that in spring ball, right? Like you get to sit there and watch it unfold. And um, obviously quarterback is one that everybody's paying attention to, but you and I were talking prior to coming on the show. Another really big one is going to be that X receiver spot. Who's going to emerge right there? There's a lot of talk about Ra Ra Thomas, um, who was dealing with some off-field stuff, but he's with the team and he's practicing and he's he's looks like he's a go for spring ball. Whatever you know, disciplinary actions he might get from the school uh, at some point is still up in the air. But as far as right now, he's preparing to play with this team next year. And we were excited when, when he's transferred to Georgia from Mississippi State. You and I got excited about that because he's a true X receiver. He's a guy that go, will go up, high point the ball, jump over people, um, and, and play a true X position, which right now, outside of him, uh, we were questioning who's going to be that guy at the X spot. So I, I'm that's the first place I'm looking this offseason. 
Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, quarterbacks are going to be the focal point of this offseason and spring ball. And Kirby Smart said that Brock Vandergrift and Carson Beck both are going to be getting a lot of ones reps this spring. So that's good news for Georgia fans. You are I mean, this was no secret. You were you should have known that this is going to be a true position battle and that guys were going to get their fair share at a crack at this top position. And while all the indicators point to Carson Beck being the star of this football team because he's waited his term now for three years, he's done all the dirty work in practice, he showed up every day and he shows out every single day, and he's done his homework. He does all of the things necessary for someone to become the starting quarterback at UGA. There's still a lot of talented guys in that room, and he's going to have to earn it, which is a good thing. You, the last thing you want is someone just walking into that room and thinking they deserve it. And so if Carson Beck doesn't show up one day and Brock Vandergriff does – then all of a sudden Mike Bobo or someone else gets in Carson's yep. ears like, man, 12 was out there spinning it today. What were you doing today, 15? Where were you at? You know, what was that looking like for you? How's that shaping up for you? Look like Brock Vandergriff won today. So that means you have to show up and do better tomorrow. So that's all good things for Georgia. That's exactly what you want in spring is you want a lot of competition and you want guys going after yep. it. So you're going to get that at the quarterback I position. I don't know about you, but if I don't have that at the quarterback position on my roster, I'm – I don't like that at all. I, yeah, there needs sure. to be there needs to be a guy that's like sitting there just just biting at the heels of the guy that has the starting spot because all that does is pushes him to be great every single day because you can't take days off. And what you just mentioned about Bobo, he did that when Aaron Murray was his starting quarterback. Ain't mm-hmm. nobody taking Aaron Murray's starting job, and it was Hudson Mason behind him, and he would do that and he'd say the exact thing that you just talked about was, man, Hudson had a good day today. He was spinning it. You better you better step up your game. We can't have another day like this from you, or you know he, he's going to get a chance. Like if you're telling Aaron Murray that, there's a true quarterback battle going on right now with Carson Beck and, and Brock Vandegrift. You know that's going to be just like cutthroat as far as like how competitive both those guys are on the field and where they're trying to do their absolute best with every rep that they get right now. You know something that I enjoyed while listening to Tate Ratledge and Rylan Rylan Goody's, um podcast that they do with it that's called real talk is they brought in all yes. the quarterbacks at one point during the season Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, Stetson Bennett at the time and Brock Vandegrift they're all sent down and one thing that Carson talked about and that him and Tate kind of do at practices so anytime Carson does something good at practice Tate gives him the opposite reaction of what happens so like if he just throws an absolute dime I mean just an absolute seed down the field Tate's going to be in his ear like Dude, that was a horrible throw. Like, what are, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you couldn't have put it any better. Like, seriously, this is what we're putting out yeah. here. But then if he does something bad, Tate's out there like, man, that was beautiful, Carson. That was awesome. That's a great ball. So, like, that just shows you, you like, off, Car- you know? and Carson tells him he encourages Tate to do that just to kind of keep him in check between the ears, always keep him focused at the at the project ahead and the, at the task that is per- currently in front of him so that's a good thing out of that you heard from Carson is that he wants competition he doesn't want to get ahead of himself he doesn't want to get too high over himself he just wants to be focused at the task at hand and right now the task at hand is winning that starting role so those are good things that you'll get some competition but definitely you talked about the ex receiver I think this is a huge position for Georgia going into this year because this time last year you kind of figured that you were going to get two more seasons out of Adonai Mitchell. You saw him freshman year, showed out, looked like someone that was really going to transcend into that number one wide receiver and the go-to guy for Georgia. Well, injuries kind of hindered that this past year, and now he's in the transfer or not even in the transfer portal. He's at Texas over there with Archman and Quinn Ewers getting reps over there with the Longhorns spring practice. 
So now you're looking for that X receiver. And while it may seem obvious that Ra Ra Thomas would be the front runner for this, I'm here to tell you it's not exactly that simple. Yes, it typically, like typically when Georgia brings in a transfer guy, it means they're bringing him in to be an immediate impact player. And he will be an immediate impact player. As you said, he was very impressive at Mississippi State, a team that chunked the ball all over the field with Will Will Rogers, who continues to Mm -hmm. set records in the SEC, an air raid style offense. So he got a lot of touches and he looked really good, but there's a lot of guys in that room, like you said. Like Marcus Rossini, Jack Saint, he may not have all these flash plays that everybody wants, but, man, that guy shows up every day. He grinds. He made a lot of valuable plays this past season for Georgia on Saturday when his numbers got called. I mean, time and time, he's a very timely player. Whenever he needs to make a play, he's going to go make a play for you, and he gets the job done whenever he sets foot on the field. And that's something that's valuable on a team like Georgia and someone when you have someone like Kirby Smart as your head coach. Dylan Bell, he's going into his second yep. year. That's another guy you got to watch for that X receiver position. He showed he a got lot on of the promise. field a decent amount last year too as Absolutely. a true freshman. So and he looked solid. Oh, it looked pretty solid mm-hmm. in his freshman year. Denial on Morissette. Didn't see as much of him as you did Dylan Bell as a true freshman, but still someone like even if he doesn't earn that starting spot. It's someone to watch over the spring and see like, okay, where are you pegged at on this depth chart? What is your production looking like at G-Day? Is 15, 12, or 14 looking your way consistently in offense? Like, are you a number one option when you are on the field? What does that look like for you? Even guys like Tyler Williams, who is going to be a true freshman this year, someone that Georgia recruited in the 2023 recruiting class, He's a long, lanky guy. He's going to be an X receiver. How does he look first year? Is he starting to get some oohs and ahs? Is his name being mentioned in these post-pressers? Is his name being mentioned in this intel that we are receiving? Is he a common name that is being repeated over and over? Those are all things you got to look for for a guy like Tyler Williams. Him and Yazid Haynes. You've already heard good things about Yazid Haynes. You can kind of plug and play him anywhere, but he's another long, lanky guy that has go-go juice. He can burn you down the field, and there's already been a lot of positive buzz about Yazid. It's just a matter of now – Let's see it on the field. What do your growing pains look like year one in your first spring practice as a college football player with a lot of dudes all over that field? Do you impress with a bunch of other high-caliber prospects or a bunch of former high-caliber prospects around you? Do you stand out amongst that group? Those are things to look for, especially at that X receiver. So a lot of things to look for. I know that's just two position groups that we talked about in quarterback and X receiver, but it's two of the biggest ones, offensively speaking at least. But then, we'll, of course, offensive line as well with the two tackles, but we're going to get into that later. But I'm excited. There's yeah. a lot of great position battles and a lot of stuff to look for. But I think nonetheless is being able to list so many names right there and just being able to talk about like what you're looking for in each player. Those are all good things because it means you have a lot of guys that are going to be fighting for that position. And whoever ultimately wins it means they daggum earned that right to be the number one guy on that depth chart. Yeah, absolutely. And and a name that you mentioned that I'm really watching this year too is is Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint because he's a senior. Um, he dealt with some injuries and he he was behind some other people early on in his career. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he steps up this year. Um, where right now the guy that might be right in front of him at the X spot, if you were to look specifically there, is Rara Thomas, who is unproven at Georgia right now. He's proven in the SEC that he can be that number one guy. But he hasn't done it at Georgia yet. And so like, there's still that chemistry that has to be built with one of these quarterbacks, kind of like what you were talking a minute ago. Are they looking your way? And man, chemistry, is the that's that'll be the first thing that pole vaults one of these wide receivers up the charts is what if your potential starting quarterback loves you, 
and they want to look your way as much as possible and you become a reliable target for them, well, then guess what? You're going to also be on the top of that depth chart because the coaching staff is going to say, hey, that that relationship right there is clicking. We're going to feed that. We're going to let that be something that we look at and we design stuff for to make it easy for that person to find that per- that guy because he clearly likes it. So that's something I'm waiting to see from him. Uh, we've obviously seen what Lad McConkie can do. Um, Arian Smith being healthy for a full season will be really, really interesting to see because he has yet to be able to put that together. And he's probably the most explosive wide receiver at Georgia in a while because, and and I know that sounds crazy to say, but the reason I say that is because every time that dude touches the ball, it's a 50 yard play. He may not get it very often, but when he does get a chance, it's a dot down the field because he just burns past people. He did it in the playoffs multiple times, did it in the national championship game. And, uh, like he had that huge touchdown, against um uh, uh ohio state on that play where he made the defender fall and everyone's like oh that he just slipped no nah, if you watch the way he ran that route he put that dude on skates and he absolutely made that guy lose him and fall down and it was a wide open touchdown at a very very key point of that game where every single play like that mattered that's the kind of stuff that he brings to your lineup for you as a wide receiver he's not going to be your x receiver he's more of a slot or maybe a a, a z guy kind of thing but he you know he he's not going to be an x because he's a speed guy. He's not a jump over top of you and and catch it in traffic kind of guy. He's going to run past you. That's what he's going to do. So there's so many guys at the wide receiver position, which uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't actually broken down the wide receiver position as far as our position breakdowns go. So maybe I should stop talking about that for now. We'll we'll bring that back later and get more in depth of it. But another position that we also haven't done yet on that and that we will get deep details later on in the off season is that running back spot, right? You got Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards, or your one-two punch. Well, I think we have done running backs, actually. Did we do running backs? I think we have done running backs. Zach, you're in the comments. and Zach and uh, Morgan, have we done running backs? Y'all watch like every episode. I believe that we have done running backs. Correct me if I'm wrong. We've done a lot, so it is hard to remember. I want to say that we did do running backs at some point in this offseason already. All right. Well, we'll come back to uh, we'll, we'll find out for sure before we start doing it another episode. Uh, but you get Kendall Milton. You got Dejon Edwards. Uh, Branson Robinson is a guy that got some carries as the the fourth guy last year. That looks like he's going to be the third guy this year, uh, at least to start the season. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with him. Another name that I'm waiting to see, which I haven't seen anything about him in spring ball yet. I don't know if you've seen anything. Andrew Paul is he uh, so- back to? Is he running Kirby at Smart all? said during the press conference that he's still out right now with his okay. injury because, I mean, he tore his ACL in yeah. August. And yes. so, you know, while some guys progress quicker, that's still typically 10 to 12 months. So running back, you might be get, careful too. You yeah, be careful. for sure. You, um, you might get him at the tail end of spring, but for now he is still listed as out on UGA's depth chart. Yeah, see, I wasn't sure. Um, I, I know I hadn't heard anything about him right now and. And not expecting him to go out there and be like full contact or anything, but I, I would like to see him, you know, start running, put on that black jersey, and just kind of, you know, at least be going through the motions and stuff. Would be nice to see from him um, because he was a guy that remember last spring, you know, before everything happened where he got hurt. Last spring he was making noise in the camp and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In fall camp he was making noise before he tore his ACL, and um, so he was he was going to compete for a spot as far as like maybe maybe he and uh, Branson would have had a competition for that fourth guy last year where Branson ended up getting it. Um, which I'm really excited about what he's going to do too as a third guy because what we know about Georgia is that third guy actually does get a decent number of reps in mm-hmm. real game time situations. They get meaningful snaps. And so it'll be interesting to see him get more of those this season because he looked lights out. He scored, what, two touchdowns in the national championship last mm-hmm. year? That was garbage time of a, as crazy as that sounds, of a national championship. That whole game he, was garbage time for Georgia. <laughs> 
I once mean, again, geez. first touchdown was scored, and I looked around me and I said, "Too easy," and it just <laughs> continued to be too easy the whole time. So it, it was, it was for sure. But he scored two touchdowns in the national championship, and so he and he looked good, like out there against a you know a good football team in TCU. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. I don't know how you feel about the running back spot, but I, I that's a position that I'm excited about because we're used to having really good running backs at Georgia. We're used to having yeah. big names. I think the running back position is more intriguing this offseason just because you know Bobo's tendencies, or at least people think they know Bobo's tendencies because of what it looked like when he was yeah. at Georgia. Now, Kirby Smart talked about how and why he chose to promote Mike Bobo, and he said that he, think he thinks he Bobo has not only grown a lot since his last time at UJ, which is back in 2014, the last season that he coached as an offensive yep. coordinator at Georgia, but since his job ended in Colorado State, he thinks he has changed a lot. You know, Kirby had to go up against him twice, one time at Auburn and one time while he was at South Carolina, so that's two separate times now that he has gone up against Mike Bobo as an offensive coordinator on the other yep. side of the sidelines. And two, one thing he mentioned was, you know, when we played South Carolina, there was a point in the game where he went on a 14-play drive and he scored on us on one of our best defenses that we have ever had. On, or he, Kirby Smart actually said, the most talented defense I have ever had in my career. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Alabama yep. fans. Most talented yep. defense he has ever had. So he said those things impressed him and just kind of keeping the morale the same and how he leads that offense in the room, how he was doing already as an offensive analyst at Georgia. That kind of led to him leading to the decision that he wanted to promote Mike Bobo. And he said he even asked Todd Munkin. He asked his advice and his opinion on the situation, and that kind of ultimately led him to promote Mike Bobo. So those should all be things that make you feel good about Mike Bobo now being the offense corner. But, yeah, it certainly makes it more interesting, but it makes it more interesting because one thing that Georgia's offense hasn't been in quite some time is Georgia's had success on the run game, but it's looked a little different than it has in years past. Yes. You know, Georgia hasn't had – uh, 1,000 yard rusher since 2019 when DeAndre Swift was last year. They have not had that. Yep. And Mike Bobo, one thing that he does do a good job of is he does a heck of a job drawing up run plays and explosive run plays where it looks like guys are just running wide open. I mean, how many times watching Georgia from 2011 to 2014 was it like, how the heck did Nick Chubb just run through that gap and not touched? I mean, everybody knows that Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, Keith Marshall is getting the rock in this. Yeah. situation everybody knows yeah. that 90 percent there's a 90 percent chance that one of those guys is getting a touch and how does he go untouched through the line of scrimmage well it's because Mike Bobo does a great job of drawing those up and really scheming up blocks in the a and b gaps up front and so he yeah. does a really good job of that so what does that look like with these three guys with Branson Robinson Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards what does it look like for them how do their season look like so I don't think that it's going to be this run heavy offense that a lot of fans think it is. And it really wasn't that even when Mike Bobo was here 10 or 12 years ago at Georgia. I mean, you don't become the SEC's leading passer, Aaron Murray, if you're just a run heavy offense. Now, was it more so like a 50, like a 60, 40 split most of the time? Yes, because of the running backs that you did have, but they were still throwing it a lot and they were very successful in the yeah. air as well. And now in the modern time of football, I think that's going to shift even more. And Georgia's going to try and continue what they did offensively last year and the past couple of years with Todd Munkin with Mike Bobo. That that stuff is not going to change. Yeah, certain looks may look a little different. How you draw plays might look a little bit different. Your personnel might look a little bit different. But all in all, who you are as an offense is going to stay the same. Most college football teams, you know, Alabama has stayed the same for the most part over the past few years, even though they've had different offensive coordinators like Bill O'Brien and Steve Sarkeesian over years. They still pretty much look the same offensively Georgia's going to probably be doing the same they're still going to look for the most part 
not identical, but probably like 85% of the same stuff that they did a year ago, I would say, under Bobo. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. And uh, and because once again, like last season, Bobo was part of the staff. And, you know, a few times Todd Munkin talked about him and it gave him credit for some of the success that we were having on offense. And I, I think that's going to, it is going to carry over because it, it, Mike Bobo is a very smart coach, right? So you can't tell me that he he sat in that room with with Todd Munkin all year and did not say, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. I can try to emulate this um, or at least plug and play the same stuff you know, that I've learned from him this year. And, and because this roster also knows it as well, for the most part, this offense this offense is still there. You didn't lose a lot at on offense uh, this year. This this year's offense should be better than last year's offense, honestly, as far as the talent that they have on the roster. Now, as far as what the production is, that's still yet to be seen because they did have it. They do have a change in coach, and so that could you know slightly change things. Um, but they do have, I think, more talent on this offense than they had last year overall, top to bottom. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out with him. Uh, but I do think that they're going to have a lot of success there. Uh, one question that everybody has the, where you did lose something, you still have Brock Bowers, but you did lose Darnell Washington. And I think a lot of Georgia fans actually started to realize how important of a piece Darnell was on that roster last year because he started to show, hey, I, I've been I've been grinding out and put my hand in the dirt and I've been making all these plays that way over the past couple of years and not getting my name called in the passing game as much. But this past year, you got to see him get involved in the passing game and show that he was a weapon off the end of the line of scrimmage that way as well. So he was so versatile. It was great to see. You and I have talked about it on the show a few times. What we need to see is one of those uh, tight ends be able to step up and put their hand down in the dirt because that's what you lost in Darnell. All of the guys on the roster are very capable uh, in the passing game. They can run routes. They can catch the ball. They can make guys miss them. All that good stuff. I I expect to see that from them, from any of them. But one of those guys is going to have to step up, put their hand in the dirt, and that's that's something I'm going to be watching out for in spring ball as well. I know you are. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a lot to watch for. Even past Oscar Delp, Pierce Berlin, and Lawson Lucky are both coming in as true freshmen this year. Just kind of seeing now, because we've been talking about it for a while, about how Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington are not the end of this list of runs that Georgia will have at the tight end position. There's a lot more. And now they're really starting to roll in because you have four of them now on roster like I said, with Brock Bowers, Oscar Delt, Pierce Berlin, and now Lawson Lucky as well, and then whoever else maybe you land after that. So there's a lot of names in that title room, a lot of talented names, and those are just another add them to the list of how do you look in your first year? How do you look in your second year, Oscar Delp? How does your truth – because Georgia was drawing up shots for – Oscar Delp as a true freshman this past year. They yes. was when he was on the field and he was getting playing time, they were looking his way, trying to get some plays for him. And that just kind of, kind of like not in the same way that they did for Brock Bowers, because Brock Bowers was an instant starter as a true freshman, but kind of the same way of when Brock Bowers was on the field. They yeah, were Brock Bowers and didn't have Brock Bowers in front of him as exactly. a freshman. <laughs> exactly. But when Brock Bowers was on the field, they were looking his way. They were drawing up shots for Brock Bowers. They were doing anything they could to give him the ball. They were kind of doing the same thing with Oscar Delp when he was getting some run as well. When he when number four was on the field, they were look. He was number one option when fifteen or whoever was quarterback got the ball. Boom! My eyes are on four. Where is he at? Can I get the ball to him? That's kind of what the offense looked like with him. So. When he is on the field this year, does that continue? And But that also has to do with, like you said, is Brock Powers on the field with him? Because if he is, that certainly probably changes things a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how it all plays out at that position for you. I feel like we spent a good bit of time on the offense for spring breakdown for right now. Um, so I want to transition us over to defense for a few minutes. We're already 27 minutes in, so we won't go too, too deep on this. What I will do is I'm going to phrase it this way to you. There, we've talked a lot about the defense in this offseason so far. We've broken down the majority of those positions um, and, and really gone deep into them. So I won't, you know, we won't spend too, too much time on it today. Question for you is, as we start spring ball yesterday, What's the one position on defense that is most intriguing to you mm. as far as like a, a, a competition or um, trying to see, you know, just the development side of it? Because right, we, there's certain people we know about already, but where are you for looking sure. for answers? Uh, I mean, it seems like the two easy answers would be interior defensive line and cornerback just because – those are the one like those were two big pieces that you lost at both of right. those spots and Jalen Carter and then of course Keely Ringo. So obviously wanting to know who follows those guys up or collectively how the defensive line tries to figure things out without Jalen Carter or a Jalen Carter type player like Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt. Because like I said in past episodes, this is kind of first time in a few years that we've seen Georgia kind of have to reevaluate themselves as a def- as a defensive line because you don't probably right now at least it doesn't seem like you have that surefire first round pick up front yet at that defensive tackle spot or that nose tackle spot. So you're still trying to figure those things out and spring's a great place to start. But for me, honestly, especially after hearing that Dan Jackson is still out for spring and I think it's safety. It's figuring out who's going to be out there lining up next to Malachi Starks because there's quite a few guys that could get some run. David Daniel Sisavon is one that seems like he could start out at least as a guy that's going to be the one getting the ones reps early on, see how he looks. He's kind of been waiting his turn now, been on the roster for a few years, but there's all, there's a few guys behind him as well. That'll give him some competition. I think Taki Smith is going to start getting some run at safety as well. So he's going to add into that competition. And then Joan Aguero, the true freshman, he is someone that has kind of been circled in this 2023 recruiting class as someone that's going to be an instant impact guy. So if David Daniel isn't taking care of business and Taki Smith isn't giving a great look necessarily at safety, be ready to already see Jonel Aguero kind of like you did Malachi Starks this past season where it was week one against Oregon, or in this case, week one against whatever FCS team Georgia has in the opener. And you see Jonel Aguero out there in the first series of the football game on defense at safety. That, that's the type of thing. So I think safety is a big one because Chris Smith did a lot of good things for Georgia, a lot of different things. And he added a lot to this defense. He's not going to be the guy like a Jalen Carter or a Nolan Smith or anybody else that's going to be in that first round projection. But Chris Smith was so good. I mean, so good on that defense and he helped them out a lot. And it, he allowed them to do a lot of different things defensively because of how good he was at his job as a safety. So now trying to replace that, trying to replace that production and seeing who earns that spot, you know, who comes out on top, and how are they rotating it, especially because, like I said, Dan Jackson being hurt certainly helps out guys like Jonel Aguero and maybe even Tyke Smith because he's a vet at this point, and those veteran guys typically get the majority of the run. Yeah, and I'm glad you talk about safety too because I, I we've talked about this once before. Um, Tyke Smith, it, this is a do-or-die moment for him as far as his – his collegiate career, you know, he was a, he was um, an all pro or a uh, you know an whatever all the, American the word all American. Thank you. It's been a long day, guys. Y'all gonna have to bear with me. Uh, all American uh, as a defensive back at uh, 
West Virginia. West Virginia. My brain is not working, man. West Virginia. And before he came to Georgia, came to Georgia, gets hurt immediately, doesn't get to play at first. And so now we're, we've had him for a couple seasons at this point. He hasn't really gotten that much, you know, movement. And at this point, you got Javon Ballard, who has absolutely taken off and has pretty much just locked down that star position. At this point, there's, there's, Nobody's taking the position from him. They might get some run, you know, at times, but he is going to be your your star, your nickel corner. That kind of guy is Javon Ballard. Uh, we we love him on the show, and we expect good things out of him next year as well. What that does though is that puts Tyke Smith at kind of a bad spot at star because that's what we thought he was going to play when he first came on campus. Well, like you said, he now has a, a good chance at safety to make a run at you know making making an argument for him needing to be on the field. Like you said, Dan Jackson's out. Uh, you know, you lose Chris Smith. Somebody's got to start next to Malachi Starks. Guess what? Tyke Smith knows the defense. He's been there for a couple seasons at this point. He is a good option for getting a good run there. But there are some other names like you you were just talking about that are going to make it very difficult as well. But I, that's the one guy. If I'm looking at one specific guy. That's who I'm looking at for in the spring, you know, spring practice because this is his chance. I think I I do think it's do or die for Tyke Smith as far as doing something further than you know Georgia or or you know at Georgia especially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's another guy that's kind of you know injuries have not done him any justice during his time at Georgia. He's kind of battled with a few injuries that have kept him off the field, and one that probably kind of resulted in Javon Ballard taking over that spot for him. Because it, from one point, it was like Latavius Bernie and then Tyke Smith were the two guys. And then all of a sudden, 22 for Georgia is flashing all over the place and you can't keep him off the field. And then even a couple seasons ago, is William Poole that kind of took over that star position yeah. as well. So just some tough breaks for him since becoming a Bulldog. But yeah, definitely this year, it's, it's definitely do or die. If you can't get on the field this year, if you can't make something shake, if you can't get playing time this year, then I don't know what else to tell you. It just wasn't meant to be, man. But glad you were here at the University of Georgia and you were a part of some great seasons. Like, at least you have that silver lining for you yourself. He got some rings. But, he walked away with two big championship spring. rings one way or another. Yeah. So big spring it is going to be a, It is going to be a big spring for him. I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. Um you know, you, the first position you brought up defensively was, you know, the interior defensive line. I'm excited to see what Bear Alexander does as a, you know, a guy that's going to probably get the majority of those reps this year um, to start. So you get to see him a lot on the field. He made a lot of good plays last year, uh, kind of made a presence known even with Jalen Carter there. Um, that That's going to be a fun position to watch this year. I think just defense as a whole is you, you two years in a row, you're losing some really, really talented guys. Uh, from top to bottom of that roster. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for you. This year, you got a lot of young talent, a lot of young talent. So it'll be interesting to see how they all develop. Spring balls when we get to see that. So I don't know about you, but I'm I'm tuned in. My eyes are focused on it. I'm going to be watching every second of everything that I can as far as getting the information about spring because that's, like I said earlier in the show, guys, that's this is when you get to see what your team is going to look like in the fall. And you don't have to necessarily wait until August, September to find out. You can see how most of it's going to shake out by the time G-Day comes around in uh, mid-April. So I'm excited about it. I know you guys are as well. Uh, I think we've spent uh, plenty of time on this right now. We will go deeper into some of those other positions defensively and offensively later in the offseason as well. Like we said, we will break down offensive line um, here in a few minutes. But before we do that, we do need to talk about what was going on today. Today was Georgia's Pro Day. And there's a lot of, you know, the biggest question of, of the day is, you know, what's what's going on with Jalen Carter? We just talked about him being, you know, that star of the defensive interior line. Um, you know, everybody was talking about he was potentially a number one overall draft pick 
Although you and I were talking before the show, I don't think that was going to happen at, even at his best because as of right now, it looks like it's a quarterback heavy market as far as those first couple of picks. So I think his ceiling was probably a top five pick. Right now, we've seen him uh, drop on the boards a few different places uh, with everything going on. He didn't, com- you know, he he didn't compete at the the combine. And then the pro day today, he didn't do any of the measurables. Like he didn't run the 40 or anything like that. He did some player position uh, drills. And then like you were and I were talking about earlier, he, you know, he stopped in the middle of that. He also came in heavy, you know, about nine pounds overweight from what they, I guess, his previous weigh-ins. Um, there's a lot of question marks going on about him right now. How, how do you feel about Jalen Carter from as a whole? You know, I think especially right now, I think it's kind of like everybody's asking who is Jalen Carter, the prospect, but no one's asking how is Jalen Carter, the person kind of type of deal. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a lot of things that have happened over these past few months for any person in this world to have to endure from two dear friends, tragically being killed in a car accident in which Jalen Carter was in that presence for, he was there at that scene. We know that information now to then, while you're at the NFL Combine, word gets out that you have a warrant for your arrest and you get charged with two misdemeanors. So you have to fly back to Athens from the NFL Combine, get booked for like 16 minutes, and then get back on a plane and go up to Indianapolis and show face and go meet with teams there. So a lot of ha- happened there. And then now over these past couple of weeks, a video, some other videos have surfaced. Some other people have been talking about Jalen Carter. His draft stock supposedly is starting to fall a little bit now, especially with Chicago trading away the number one overall pick. And that's a, that's a lot, Stoddard. It's a lot for any person to endure. And I think it's as a result, it's kind of showing up on the football field because for the first time in Jalen Carter's at least collegiate career, there's a lot more negative news about him than there is positive news because for the last three years as a bulldog, it's been about he's the best player on that defense. He is a future number one prospect in the NFL draft. That is a bona fide top 10 pick in the draft, possibly top five pick. And now it's all about, Oh, well we have question marks about Jalen Carter, the person, or we had questions about Jalen Carter's work ethic, yada, 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 yada. The bottom line is, man, that guy has had to go through a lot. I mean, you're talking about, He's focused on trying to really tie the bow off on his NFL future as he's trying to make sure that his name is called early on in that first round pick and get as much money as he can for what he has worked for for his entire life. He's trying to focus on that and his complete his NFL dream. He's trying to deal with the loss of two people, as I said, from a program that he's been a part of for the last three years. And he's having to deal with all this stuff that is being said about him in the media. I mean, there is a lot on his plate right now. And a lot of stuff happening that is probably way more important than what football is for him. And so to try and go out there and show face and put on your best face in front of 32 NFL organizations is a hard thing to ask a young man to do today. I mean, like I said, just a couple months removed from that situation. So I don't think what I say all of that to say that I don't think there should be any questions about Jalen Carter. You have three full seasons. I mean, three full seasons of Jalen Carter looking like the best player, the flashiest player on three of the best defenses or two of the best defenses that we have seen in the past 15 years of college football. He looked like the best player on that defense consistently day in and day out. There were no questions about what Jalen Carter could do when you watch this college football tape. So I say that as don't let a UGA pro day deteriorate all of that and make all of that vanish because he's proven himself by now. I mean, there's a reason why coming into the offseason, guys like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper were saying, this is my top prospect on the board. He is my number one defensive prospect. He should be the first defensive player taken in the draft. All of that was said for a reason. It is because he is a really freaking good athlete. 
And I mean, we didn't hear any negative news about Jalen Carter until now. We didn't hear a lick or a peep out of anybody about Jalen Carter for the three years that he was in enrolled yeah. at Georgia. So first I time say, we heard I mean, anything about him was in, in December when McShay came out and all of a sudden was talking about potential character concerns. And what happened, every single one of his teammates took to Twitter to go out there and battle for it, went up to bat for his guys and talked and talked for him and spoke for the type of character that he has. So I think that says enough about Jalen Carter and the fact that there should be no reason yeah. why Jalen Carter is still on the board outside of the top 12 picks in this year's NFL draft. I would agree with you as well, but I will say this because the comment comes in. Zach, I see it. You said if the Falcons pass on him at eight, you're going to be pissed. I hate to tell you this. You're going to be disappointed. The reason for it, and Jonathan, you can you can correct me on this because I can't remember the name off the top of my head. They just took a, a interior defensive tackle, like a defensive tackle oh, um, from the Saints. I can't remember his name right Obanaka. now, but they just signed one, something like that. They signed him from the Saints. So they feel like they've probably I, – I personally feel like they've addressed that position as far as like maybe not to go there first round. Um, if they might get somebody later in the round. But I don't think they go their first round after signing somebody in free agency. Uh, if you want more breakdowns of what we think as far as the Falcons pick and everything like that, check us out on Sundays on the 4 Wide Podcast with Dan because that's where we get so deep into all that. And we will definitely be spending some time on the Falcons because they've been making all kinds of moves right now as well. Um, but back on topic for you. Um, yeah, Jalen Carter is exactly who you think he is as far as like a player goes I, I think that's that's what we know like we know what he is like you said we've seen plenty of him over the past three years to know what you're going to get on the field you know that his fa- his his teammates came out and told you that he is a good teammate in the locker room he's not causing problems he's not somebody you should have character concerns over for that kind of stuff and then right now everybody's talking about him um that the article came out uh today where they were talking about his you know um mental maturity or his maturity and physical, you know, ability or fitness, I guess, because I, you know, when you come in nine pounds heavier, but it's also, like you said, a lot going on. Maybe, maybe he hasn't quite stayed on uh, where he needs to with, with his weight and everything right now, but that can, that can be fixed. That guy is somebody that I can promise you will be able to get back in the weight room and get where he needs to be as far as that goes. So just to say he's a, you've got serious concerns about him. I, I personally agree with you, Jonathan, that if he is still on the board after like 12 picks, I, I'll i be shocked because the past three years show us plenty to say that he he's deserving of a top 10 pick, even with everything that's circulating going on right now. Um, you and I were talking before the show, and I was like, man, I can't imagine the questions he's being asked by teams right now. With everything that is going on, he's dealing with on a mental level, and then he's probably having to sit in front of these teams and have to address them and has to talk about them over and over again. And I can't imagine how just draining that would be to have to completely relive those moments that you're struggling with on a mental level um, that anyone would be struggling with on a mental level right now. And he, he's being forced to constantly relive it. Uh, but I think he's going to be good. Uh, he, he will get drafted in the first round. He will go somewhere. And I do expect him to succeed in the NFL because he is that type of prospect that he will have a good NFL career. I can promise you that. So if somebody does let him drop down the board, all that means is somebody's going to get a steal of the draft, taking him later in that first round, that they should have never even had an opportunity to get him with. That's what I will say about that. Um, wish nothing but the best for the guy. I feel like I, I feel sorry for everything that he's having to deal with. It kind of hurts my heart to, to know somebody's having to go through so many things on a personal level at such a big part of their life, like a, 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 such an important part of their life. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out for him the rest of the way. 
Absolutely. And some other good stuff that came out of Pro Day, you know, Stetson Bennett went out there and threw the ball. He looked pretty good doing it. I believe yes, Brooks Austin, or I know for a fact that Brooks Austin released full footage of every single throw that um, Stetson had today at the Pro Day. So if you want to go check that out, just go on to Dogs Daily at Sports Illustrated. You can find that video over there and watch Stetson Bennett spin it one last time in the UGAG on, on campus. So those were good things. I think a lot. Another good thing that's worth pointing out is the fact that guys like Matt Landers, Jaden Hunter, and Amir Speed were there participating at UGA's pro day. All three were guys that were transferred that transferred out of UGA, but they came. They were at least invited back and made the decision to come back to UGA for the pro day. They were able to participate and, like I said, get in front of every single NFL scout. All thirty-two teams had a representative there in Athens today to watch those guys compete. So that's great things for guys like Matt Landers and Amir Speed. I believe Amir Speed posted a 4.38 in the 40-yard time today, unofficial. That's a good thing for someone like him. That's a corner who was at Michigan State this past year. So really good last impression for him leading up to the NFL draft. Maybe now he gets snagged a little bit earlier than that, than was expected. And then Matt Landers got to catch some balls from Stetson Bennett as well. And everybody was watching Stetson Bennett, which means everybody was watching Matt Landers as well. So those are great things to see, you know, a program that's still trying to advocate and do good things for guys that left the program and went on to pursue different things and go participate for other teams. But they're still obviously welcome back to Athens. And Kirby Smart's always advocating for those players, you know, players that ask to be entered into the transfer portal. Kirby Smart and his staff do everything that they can to make sure that that player finds a home, finds a destination that fits them and is going to put them in a best in a good situation. And so those are always great things to see of them welcoming those players back and they get to get one last run in with some former teammates. So all those things were good. And yes, Roots, Arthur Smith was even in attendance to watch. When's the last time an Atlanta head coach or even just staffer last year, we didn't even have an Atlanta staffer Mm -hmm. come down to Athens for the pro day. When's the last time an Atlanta head coach was in Athens for the pro day? I mean, I don't know. I think they're, that, they're actually looking, guys. They're looking. Stoddard, that might mean that there there's some up to something season going on over there for the Atlanta Falcons season. and Georgia players. Hey, they took two of them last year in the draft. They took Justin Shaver and they took John Fitzpatrick. So maybe they followed up in back to back years and they take another dog in the draft. They were there in attendance and there was a lot of good players to get a look at. So who knows? You know, Nolan Smith could be in that opportunity for them. Some people have been mocked to take Nolan Smith at the number eight overall pick. Like we said, maybe Jalen Carter falls in their lap. Who knows? Maybe they grab someone else in the later rounds. A lot of good football players to choose from from Georgia. I believe 13 total were invited to the NFL Combine. I think 15 total are actually draft eligible, draft eligible. from Georgia this mm-hmm. year. So a lot of good stuff there. But, guys, we are 45 minutes into this episode. We had full intentions of breaking down the offensive line, but I don't want to push this over an hour. I don't think Stoddard wants to push this over an hour for you guys either because that is a lot of content. And I also don't want to rush. I don't want to rush that topic either. We don't want to rush that topic. There's a lot of names. We'll go ahead and preface this. Battles are happening. Offensive tackle. It seems like Amarius Mims and Ernest Green are your front runners, but there's still some names that are getting in the mix over there. And like, just like any other position, there's a battle that will be had. So, there's a lot of things to pay attention there, and we'll, we'll give a full episode. We'll be able to go a lot more in depth if we just kind of push it back another um, another episode. We'll get to it next week. You know, there's a lot on our plate this week with UGA Pro Day. We want to make sure we yeah, touch on all of that. About. And then with spring practice ramping up, we of course had to indulge in that content and really get things going. But yeah, Brutes, as you in the comments, the Falcons took picked up Fitzpatrick last year, so they had two of them at one point. I don't know if he's still on the team or not. But yeah, Fitzpatrick was a Falcon, so. 
<laughs> are pigs flying and the Falcons actually taking <laughs> I don't know. Maybe check the sky tomorrow morning when you wake up. But hey, listen, we've talked about this a lot too. As far as the Falcons and, and taking Georgia players, we got to get away from the fact that they, they used to not do that. And, and we know that. Like that was, a, that was a thing that we saw that they, they, it really did feel like they weren't taking anybody. There's new guys in that front office. You have a new head coach who was in Athens. Like I said, he was in Athens. So, you know, maybe things are changing. Maybe they are going to legitimately be looking at guys. And if they, this is the thing that people got to remember. It's not just that there's a guy on the board when it's their turn to pick. They have to look at who's the best available as far as like a position of need is the first place they got to look at. Not necessarily as like, well, Jalen Carter's incredible. He's available at eight. We got to take him. He may not be uh, what you need that mo- like most, and you have to go, and your first-round pick has to be a position of serious need for you on your roster, especially at number eight overall. So we'll see how it all plays out. I think the Falcons definitely have turned a corner from what we've seen before. Yeah, and then as the NFL draft creeps closer, we'll be able to kind of start talking about that content a little more. We'll get a better idea of where guys are probably going to fall in the draft, and we'll give you some predictions about what we think will happen, maybe where some guys fit, where we see them going, what rounds and whatnot. Um, So we'll get into all of that. But, yeah, like I said, I think we're just going to go ahead and push back offensive line because we don't want to go on for another 20 minutes for you guys, and we don't want to rush it either. So we'll go ahead and push that back. But, Guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, we gave you like 30 full minutes of spring practice preview. So we fully, fully yeah. completed the the title of this video, the Georgia spring practice preview. We we completed that for sure. And then we talked to you about some UJ Pro Day as well. We'll resume position breakdowns later on. We'll keep those rolling. I think we still have like six or seven positions that we have not broken down yet, including the special teams at Zach, at Dan Kiley. We will make sure to hit on those for you guys. Don't you worry. <laughs> Whether you say we're scared or not, we will be sure to talk about Brett Dorsey and Aussie. It's a long offseason, guys. It's a long offseason. And that kicker battle that is going on. But if you are still here, go ahead and like and subscribe if you have not already. Share with your friends and family. Tell them about us. Tell them about the Classic City Sports crew. Tell us about the good things that we're doing. Share the content for us. It really helps us go. And follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. We've been posting alerts and updates about shows, topics, and whatnot over there on any of our three Twitter accounts. You can kind of find that content. We'll either tweet it or we'll retweet it from the podcast episode ourselves so you can find it at any of those three ads that you see on the bottom of your screen but we appreciate you guys for showing up we appreciate you guys for tuning in we appreciate all the love that you guys continue to show us and stoddard you can close us out and as always guys love y'all and keep it classy in the classic city we will see you guys next week thank you for listening to this week's episode of classic city sports Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J. Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... of the entire Bulldog Nation.